Hello, everyone. My name is Lee Nichols, and I'd like to welcome all of you to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Now, we have two very special guests joining us today from BASF. We got Tobias Eckert, who is the Global Technology Manager, Absorption Solutions for Natural Gas, and Peg Green, the Global Market Manager for Absorption Solutions for Natural Gas Treatment. Now, we're going to discuss with them BASF's recently developed Durasorb Cryo HRU technology. So this unit replaces the standard mole sieve dehydration unit in an LNG pretreatment lineup with a process that is capable of removing heavy hydrocarbons, including BTX and water decryogenic specifications. So with that, we're going to let uh, Tobias and Peg tell us more. So I really would like to welcome in our special guest today. Tobias, Peg, how are y'all doing today? Yeah, great. Thanks, Lee. Thank you. Excellent. Well, first off, of course, we can't thank y'all enough for giving us a couple minutes of your time to discuss this uh, crucial technology that's going on in our industry right now. So to start things off, I guess the first questions to ask, especially for the listeners that might not be familiar with this type of unit is, can I guess one, can you give us some background on what the pre-treatment lineup does in an LNG production plant? And of course, what is a mole sieve dehydration unit? Yeah, sure. So so, you know, generally speaking, um, the natural gas comes into the, the LNG production plant and it needs to be treated prior to liquefaction uh, of the gas to make LNG. And so then the, the pretreatment lineup typically consists of um, a mercury removal unit, uh, an acid gas removal unit and a dehydration removal unit, which is sometimes referred to as the mulsive unit. Um, I, th I think these units are, are self-explanatory, but what you'll notice is there's not a dedicated unit for removing heavy hydrocarbons, which, as you mentioned, Lee, also includes uh, the aromatic hydrocarbons, benzene, toluene, uh, and xylene, also known uh, as BTX. So we've worked with LNG producers who have experienced uh, these heavy hydrocarbons freezing in the cryogenic section of the plant, which actually causes uh, reduced uh, throughput, uh, and in some cases, even plant shutdown. Excellent. Now, I do want to dive a little bit more into, of course, heavy hydrocarbons in what you just kind of mentioned. So can you talk about the issues that customers are experiencing that this technology is going to solve? So in other words, like, what is the solution for the freezing of heavy hydrocarbons, and how does this technology solve the problem? Sure. So when we first heard of this issue from customers, our initial solution was to add what's called a hydrocarbon removal unit or HRU to the pretreatment lineup. Um, so the addition of an HRU would increase the overall flexibility and reliability of the plant and reduce the workload on the dehydration unit. However, adding a unit also means added costs and, and that's not typically well accepted. So, um, in some cases, the benefits of an HRU could outweigh those additional costs, but it wasn't really an ideal solution, according to our customers. So we worked to develop a new product called Dorsorb BTX and a new process called Dorsorb Cryo HRU, where we combined the HRU and the DHI unit into one dual purpose unit. So Dorsorb Cryo HRU then gives LNG producers the flexibility for changing feed gas conditions where they may have more or, or less uh, heavy hydrocarbons coming into the plant at any one time. This unit would be able to, to handle those variations. 
The unit also eliminates the unit, the sorry, eliminates the need for an additional unit while still achieving the cryogenic specifications that are required for liquefaction. Excellent. Thanks, Peg. Now, I want to get uh, Tobias in this uh, real quick, too. So, Tobias, why and when should this kind of technology be used? Yeah, Durazov cryoetchery you really was specially developed for lean feed gas with what we call has a heavy tail. This is gas is very common in the U.S. Coast, Gulf Coast, which is fed by pipeline gas that has been stripped of natural gas liquids (NGLs). But meanwhile, we see similar feeds all over the world for lean gas. Conventional methods for removing heavy hydrocarbon like scrub columns, they become ineffective because uh, liquids are not available to wash out the heavies. So um, adsorption is really an adequate solution to this problem. And CryoHIU um, uses special silica alumina gel materials um, rather than molecular sieves to remove the heavies. Um, and that relies on BSF's um, history and experience designing sorbid HIUs for pipeline dewpointing. How is the TSA process different between an HRU and a dehydration unit? And as kind of a follow-up, why is combining these two units new and different? Yeah, the main difference is really the cycle time. Um, HIU is a short cycle adsorption process where the entire cycle of adsorption to give you a value occurs in less than six hours, in some cases even less. A dehydration unit is a long cycle process occurring over the course of 24 hours. So the different Cycle times um, come from the necessity to remove heavy hydrocarbons. They are not that strongly absorbed as water. So over longer periods of time, the water and the feed gas will displace these hydrocarbons. So the cycle times is really controlled by the required hydrocarbon removal needed to reach out that specification. Silica alumina gel materials like BSF sorbit or Durasorb are used for hydrocarbon removal since a long time. These materials are very robust and can withstand up to 10,000 or even more cycles in a lifetime. Molecular sieves, on the other hand, are known to break down in harsh environments experienced during regeneration. So, for example, wet, uh, high temperature conditions, what we call hydrothermal conditions, and typically last only about 1,200 to uh, 2,000 cycles in a lifetime. So the question really became, how do we increase the typical lifetime of a molecular sieve to match that of silica gel materials so that we can run, run short cycle processes, remove the heavies, but still maintain as a structural integrity and to reach the required lifetime. Excellent. So now one area that I always find very interesting, of course, is the history of, of how this came to be. So my what I'm curious about is, so how did you do it? And then, of course, how did you prove that it will work 
And of course, as a follow to that, what challenges were needed to be addressed to develop this dual process technology? And then what tests were run to prove that that will work? Sorry for the amount of questions, but <laughs> I get curious about these kinds no, of things. No, that, that is fine. And trust me, we put a lot of effort into this. And uh, we all, for good reason, work in a very conservative industry. And to convince people of a new technology is somehow an uphill battle. So but give you, let's give me uh, you some background. So um, based on the explanation given before, um, you can see how combining a silica alumina gel material that can run on short cycle with a molecular sieve on the other hand that runs on long cycles can be a challenge. So our solution really is based on protecting the molecular sieve uh, from harsh regeneration conditions by utilizing more silica alumina gel material to reduce the amount of water and other components going into the sieve section of the bed. Um, so, and in cases where the molecular sieve section gets not water saturated during regeneration, the degradation is significantly reduced. So it's all about limiting and controlling certain components, especially water, to enter the molecular sieve layer. So to prove this theory, we ran several experiments, experiments in the lab um, to better understand the stability of molecular sieves. So first we did like hydrothermal stability testing, then we needed to do thermal shock testing, and these results were very encouraging because they show that molecular sieve could handle more cycles if it's kept dry. With this understanding, we designed a multi-layer bed, basically, consisting mostly of silica gel materials at the top of the bed. And these materials are sold as Durasorb HD, which is water-stable, and Durasorb BTEX, which was especially developed to remove aromatic hydrocarbons. And that is also a new product in our product line. These products will do the bulk removal and do most of the work and the polishing, the fine tuning to the down to cryogenic specification is basically done in the molecular sieve layer. So you asked me a lot of questions. You got a very long answer. I hope I was clear enough. No, it's great. No, and you are correct. I mean, it's very uh, conservative type industry where those are the questions that come up, you know. Uh, so, you know, you addressed it perfectly. So I appreciate that. Uh, I, I want to bring Peg in here for this last question. Um, so we've gone through the, the technology. We've gone through testing of it, uh, how it works. So my last question is when uh, will we see this new technology used in practice in the real world? Right, so you know we're really excited about this technology. We we think it solves a, a very um, specific and and challenging problem for for LNG producers. So we're getting a lot of interest uh, right now, um, which is also exciting for us, right? So um, you know you may have seen uh, a few months ago uh, we put out a press release announcing that Shell has qualified this technology for the deployment in in their assets. So last year we went through a very stringent. Uh, um, um, qualification process with Shell, 
Um, and so we were excited to, to have them qualify our, our materials and our technology for this application. Um, you, you may have also seen uh, recently, we published an article uh, jointly written with Shell that details out this technology, comparing it to you know, more conventional approaches to this problem. Uh, and it also details the, uh, some of the, the lab tests that Tobias uh, referenced on, on how we really proved that this technology would work. So I, I would encourage your listeners to, to find that, that article if they, they wanna get more details. Um, we also sold the first license for this technology uh, to an engineering company who is building a, a small scale bio LNG plant. Uh, for CO2 neutral uh, liquid fuels uh, in Germany. So, you know, we're excited for that. That plant is, is looking to start up in Q3 of, of 2020. Um, so, you know, what we see is that customers really like the flexibility and the reliability that this technology can bring uh, to their operations. So we're confident in the technology and we're really excited to, to see it put to use. Excellent. Well, that sounds great. Congrats on that. And of course, always keep us updated on, on new contract awards. Sure. Well, again, Peg, Tobias, we can't thank you all enough for giving us a couple minutes of your time today to go over this new technology. It's very interesting stuff. And of course, we really want to encourage our listeners to go and check out uh, more information on it. Again, thank you all so much. And of course, we want to thank all of you for listening to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. As a quick note, the small-scale bio-LNG plant that Peg referenced will actually start up in third quarter of 2022.